Section three of the Life of Samuel Johnson, Volume two by James Boswell. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. As my stay in London at this time was very short, I had not many opportunities of being with Dr. Johnson, but I felt my veneration for him in no degree lessened by my having seen Multorum hominum mores et urbes. Footnote. Primores hominum multorum vidit et urbes, manners and towns of various nations viewed, Francis Horace, Ars Poetica, line 142, and footnote. On the contrary, by having it in my power to compare him with many of the most celebrated persons of other countries, my admiration of his extraordinary mind was increased and confirmed. Footnote. By the time Boswell was twenty-six years old, he could boast that he had made the acquaintance of Voltaire, Rousseau, and Paoli among foreigners, and of Adam Smith, Robertson, Hume, Johnson, Goldsmith, Garrick, Horace Walpole, Wilkes, and perhaps Reynolds among Englishmen. He had twice at least received a letter from the Earl of Chatham. End footnote. The roughness, indeed, which sometimes appeared in his manners, was more striking to me now, from my having been accustomed to the studied, smooth, complying habits of the continent, and I clearly recognised in him, not without respect for his honest, conscientious zeal, the same indignant and sarcastical mode of treating every attempt to unhinge or weaken good principles. One evening, when a young gentleman, footnote, in such passages as this, we may generally assume that the gentleman whose name is not given is Boswell himself, end of footnote, teased him with an account of the infidelity of his servant, who, he said, would not believe the scriptures, because he could not read them in the original tongues, and be sure that they were not invented. No, I foolish fellow said Johnson, has he any better authority for almost everything that he believes? Boswell, then the vulgar, sir, never can know they are right, but must submit themselves to the learned? Johnson, to be sure, sir, the vulgar are the children of the state, and must be taught like children. Footnote. See post-1780 in Mr. Langton's collection, where this assertion is called his usual remark. End of footnote. Boswell. Then, sir, a poor Turk must be a Mahometan, just as a poor Englishman must be a Christian. Johnson. Why, yes, sir. And what then? This now is such stuff as I used to talk to my mother when I first began to think myself a clever fellow and she ought to have whipped me for it. Another evening Dr. Goldsmith and I called on him with the hope of prevailing on him to sup with us at the Mitre. We found him indisposed, and resolved not to go abroad. Come then, said Goldsmith, we will not go to the Mitre to-night, since we cannot have the big man with us. Footnote. 
these two words may be observed as marks of mr boswell's accuracy it is a jocular irish phrase which of all johnson's acquaintances no one probably but goldsmith would have used croker in the footnote johnson then called for a bottle of port of which goldsmith and i partook while our friend now a water-drinker sat by us goldsmith i think mr johnson you don't go near the theatres now you give yourself no more concern about a new play than if you had never had anything to do with the stage johnson why sir our tastes greatly alter the lad does not care for the child's rattle and the old man does not care for the young man's whore goldsmith nay sir but your muse was not a whore johnson sir i do not think she was but as we advance in the journey of life we drop some of the things which have pleased us whether it be that we are fatigued and don't choose to carry so many things any farther or that we find other things which we like better Boswell, but sir why don't you give us something in some other way goldsmith ay sir we have a claim upon you johnson no sir i am not obliged to do any more no man is obliged to do as much as he can do a man is to have part of his life to himself if a soldier has fought a good many campaigns he is not to be blamed if he retires to ease and tranquillity a physician who has practised long in a great city may be excused if he retires to a small town and takes less practice now sir the good i can do by my conversation bears the same proportion to the good i can do by my writings that the practice of a physician retired to a small town does to his practice in a great city Footnote. johnson's best justification for the apparent indolences of the latter part of his life may be found in his own words every man of genius has some arts of fixing the attention peculiar to himself by which honestly exerted he may benefit mankind to the position of tully that if virtue could be seen she must be loved may be added that if truth could be heard she must be obeyed the rambler number eighty seven he fixed the attention best by his talk for the position of tully see post march the nineteenth seventeen seventy six and a footnote boswell but i wonder sir that you have not more pleasure in writing than in not writing johnson sir you may wonder he talked of making verses and observed the great difficulty is to know when you have made good ones when composing i have generally had them in my mind perhaps fifty at a time walking up and down in my room and then i have written them down and often from laziness have written only half lines i have written a hundred lines a day i remember i wrote a hundred lines of the vanity of human wishes in a day footnote 
goldsmith wrote the traveller and deserted village on a very different plan to save himself the trouble of transcription he wrote the lines of his first copy very wide and would so fill up the intermediate space with reiterated corrections that scarcely a word of his first effusions was left unaltered goldsmith's miscellaneous works and footnote doctor turning to goldsmith i am not quite idle i made one line t'other day but i made no more goldsmith let us hear it we'll put a bad one to it johnson no sir i have forgot it footnote mrs thrale in a letter to dr johnson said don't sit making verses that will never be written piozzi letters volume two page one eight three baretti noted opposite this in the margin of his copy johnson was always making latin or english verses in his mind but never would write them down End of footnote. such specimens of the easy and playful conversation of the great dr samuel johnson are i think to be prized as exhibiting the little varieties of a mind so enlarged and so powerful when objects of consequence required its exertions and is giving us a minute knowledge of his character and modes of thinking to bennet langton esq at langton near spilsby lincolnshire dear sir what your friends have done that from your departure till now nothing has been heard of you none of us are able to inform the rest as we are all neglected alike no one thinks himself entitled to the privilege of complaint i should have known nothing of you or of langton from the time that dear miss langton left us had not i met mr simpson of lincoln one day in the street by whom i was informed that mr langton your mamma and yourself had been all ill but that you were all recovered that sickness should suspend your correspondence i did not wonder but hoped that it would be renewed at your recovery since you will not inform us where you are or how you live i know not whether you desire to know anything of us however i will tell you that the club subsists but we have the loss of burke's company since he has been engaged in public business in which he has gained more reputation than perhaps any man at his in square brackets first appearance ever gained before footnote burke entered parliament as member for wendover borough on january the fourteenth seventeen sixty six william burke writing to barry the artist on the following march the twenty third says ned's success has exceeded our most sanguine hopes all at once he has darted into fame he is full of real business intent upon doing real good to his country as much as if he was to receive twenty per cent from the commerce of the whole empire which he labours to improve and extend barry's works end of footnote he made two speeches in the house for repealing the stamp act which were publicly commended by mr pitt and have filled the town with wonder footnote it was of these speeches that macaulay wrote 
the house of commons heard pitt for the last time and burke for the first time and was in doubt to which of them the palm of eloquence should be assigned it was indeed a splendid sunset and a splendid dawn macaulay's essays in the footnote burke is a great man by nature and is expected soon to attain civil greatness i am growing greater too for i have maintained the newspapers these many weeks footnote boswell has already stated that johnson's shakespeare was virulently attacked by kenrick no doubt there were other attacks and rejoinders too End of footnote and what is greater still i have risen every morning since new year's day at about eight when i was up i have indeed done but little yet it is no slight advancement to obtain for so many hours more the consciousness of being i wish you were in my new study i am now writing the first letter in it i think it looks very pretty about me footnote two days earlier he had drawn up a prayer on entering novum museum prayers and meditations page sixty-nine in the footnote dyer is constant at the club hawkins is remiss i am not over diligent dr nugent dr goldsmith and mr reynolds are very constant mr lye is printing his saxon and gothic dictionary all the club subscribes footnote dictionarium saxonico et gotico latinum london seventeen seventy two lie died in seventeen sixty seven o manning completed the work End of footnote. you will pay my respects to all my lincolnshire friends i am dear sir most affectionately yours samuel johnson march the ninth seventeen sixty six johnson's court fleet street to bennett langton esq at langton near spilsby lincolnshire dear sir in supposing that i should be more than commonly affected by the death of peregrine langton footnote mr langton's uncle boswell end footnote you are not mistaken he was one of those whom i loved at once by instinct and by reason i have seldom indulged more hope of anything than of being able to improve our acquaintance to friendship many a time have i placed myself again at langton and imagined the pleasure with which i should walk to partney in a summer morning but this is no longer possible footnote the place of residence of mr peregrine langton boswell end of footnote we must now endeavour to preserve what is left us his example of piety and economy i hope you will make what inquiries you can and write down what is told you the little things which distinguish domestic characters are soon forgotten if you delay to inquire you will have no information if you neglect to write information will be vain footnote mr langton did not disregard this counsel but wrote the following account which he has been pleased to communicate to me the circumstances of mr peregrine langton were these he had an annuity for life of two hundred pounds per annum 
he resided in a village in lincolnshire the rent of his house with two or three small fields was twenty-eight pounds the county he lived in was not more than moderately cheap his family consisted of a sister who paid him eighteen pounds annually for her board and a niece the servants were two maids and two men in livery his common way of living at his table was three or four dishes the appurtenances to his table were neat and handsome he frequently entertained company at dinner and then his table was well served with as many dishes as were usual at the tables of the other gentlemen in the neighbourhood his own appearance as to clothes was genteelly neat and plain he had always a post-chaise and kept three horses such with the resources i have mentioned was his way of living which he did not suffer to employ his whole income for he had always a sum of money lying by him for any extraordinary expenses that might arise some money he put into the stocks at his death the sum he had there amounted to one hundred and fifty pounds he purchased out of his income his household furniture and linen of which latter he had a very ample store and as i am assured by those that had very good means of knowing not less than the tenth part of his income was set apart for charity at the time of his death the sum of twenty five pounds was found with a direction to be employed in such uses he had laid down a plan of living proportioned to his income and did not practise any extraordinary degree of parsimony but endeavoured that in his family there should be plenty without waste as an instance that this was his endeavour it may be worth while to mention a method he took in regulating proper allowance of malt liquor to be drunk in his family that there might not be a deficiency or any intemperate profusion on a complaint made that his allowance of a hog's head in a month was not enough for his own family he ordered the quantity of a hog's head to be put into bottles had it locked up from the servants and distributed out every day eight quarts which is the quantity each day at one hogshead in a month and told his servants that if that did not suffice he would allow them more but by this method it appeared at once that the allowance was much more than sufficient for his small family and this proved a clear conviction that could not be answered and saved all future dispute he was in general very diligently and punctually attended and obeyed by his servants he was very considerate as to the injunctions he gave and explained them distinctly and at their first coming to his service steadily exacted a close compliance with them without any remission and the servants finding this to be the case soon grew habitually accustomed to the practice of their business and them very little further attention was necessary on extraordinary instances of good behaviour or diligent service he was not wanting in particular encouragements and presents above their wages 
it is remarkable that he would permit their relations to visit them and stay at his house two or three days at a time the wonder with most that hear an account of his economy will be how he was able with such an income to do so much especially when it is considered that he paid for everything he had he had no land except the two or three small fields which i have said he rented and instead of gaining anything by their produce i have reason to think he lost by them however they furnished him with no further assistance towards his housekeeping than grass for his horses not hay for that i know he bought and for two cows every monday morning he settled his family accounts and so kept up a constant attention to the confining his expenses within his income and to do it more exactly compared those expenses with a computation he had made how much that income would afford him every week and day of the year one of his economical practices was as soon as any repair was wanting in or about his house to have it immediately performed when he had money to spare he chose to lay in a provision of linen or clothes or any other necessaries as then he said he could afford it which he might not be so well able to do when the actual want came in consequence of which method he had a considerable supply of necessary articles lying by him beside what was in use but the main particular that seems to have enabled him to do so much with his income was that he paid for everything as soon as he had it except alone what were current accounts such as rent for his house and servants wages and these he paid at the stated times with the utmost exactness he gave notice to the tradesmen of the neighbouring market towns that they should no longer have his custom if they let any of his servants have anything without their paying for it thus he put it out of his power to commit those imprudences to which those are liable that defer their payments by using their money some other way than where it ought to go and whatever money he had by him he knew that it was not demanded elsewhere but that he might safely employ it as he pleased his example was confined by the sequestered place of his abode to the observation of few though his prudence and virtue would have made it valuable to all who could have known it these few particulars which i knew myself or have obtained from those who lived with him may afford instruction and be an incentive to that wise art of living which he so successfully practised boswell end of footnote his art of life certainly deserves to be known and studied he lived in plenty and elegance upon an income which to many would appear indigent and to most scanty how he lived therefore every man has an interest in knowing his death i hope was peaceful it was surely happy i wish i had written sooner lest writing now i should renew your grief but i would not forbear saying what i have now said this loss is i hope the only misfortune of a family to whom no misfortune at all should happen
if my wishes could avert it. Let me know how you all go on. Has Mr. Langton got him the little horse that I recommended? It would do him good to ride about his estate in fine weather. Be pleased to make my compliments to Mrs. Langton and to dear Miss Langton and Miss Di and Miss Juliet and to everybody else. The club holds very well together. Monday is my night. Footnote of his being in the chair of the literary club, which at this time met once a week in the evening, Boswell, end footnote. I continue to rise tolerably well and read more than I did. I hope something will yet come on it. Footnote. See post, February 1767, when he told the king that he must now read to acquire more knowledge, end footnote. I am, sir, your most affectionate servant, Samuel Johnson, May the 10th, 1766, Johnson's Court, Fleet Street. End of section 3